Thank you for letting me be here. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says this. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Hey, folks, he's coming back. He's coming back. That's not what I'm preaching, but I just felt like telling you he's coming back. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. But verse 8 says this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And before I ever get into my message, just let me say this. There is no time period where he was not the Almighty. And if there has never been a moment where he was not Almighty, can I tell you there will never be a moment where he ceases to be Almighty. He said, I was Almighty way back then. I'm Almighty right now. And I'll be mighty in the future. Amen. Would you be so kind to just lay your Bible down beside you? Let's lift our hands and let's ask God to speak to us today. That the presence of the Lord would be in this house. Would you help, help us pray today? Father, upon the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, we loose the anointing to break every yoke and to break every sin. Lord, if there's anything in us that's unlike you, take it out so that we could receive the Word of God over our life. Lord, we bind every spirit that would be in opposition to the presence and to the will of God today. We ask that right now, God, you would settle down in this house. Thank you, Lord, for moving in the worship. And now that worship has tilled up the soil of our soul, would you now, God, begin to plant the seed of the word into us so that when we leave this house, God, we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that your presence would move. God, that your will would be done. Lord, we give you thanks. We ask you, Lord, to do the impossible in the name of of Jesus Christ we pray. Now why don't you put a praise on that prayer? Hallelujah. If you believe he's going to do it today, why don't you thank him right now? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord and you can be seated. I do this at our church and it makes some people real nervous when I get quiet. I'm just letting you get your candy wrappers done and telling your husband to be quiet. I'm not going to tell you my title for just a little bit. It's all right. Amen. 
Moses, in his premial dissertation of all that exists, writes within the opening statements of Genesis chapter 1 and simply says, In the beginning, God. This book of creation contains vital information as to the formation of heaven and earth as well as the existence of all that is seen. The Hebrew definition for the word Genesis is simple in the beginning. From the beginning we then understand that God was. And as difficult as it is for our finite minds to comprehend, the fact still remains that there has never been a time in which God did not exist. It is a remarkable feat to recognize that God was not created because He predates all that is. And before there was a heaven, God was. And before there was an earth, God was. And before there were angels, and before there was humanity, before there was life, God was. And Jesus himself spoke very candidly to a crowd of Jews one day concerning this very fact. John chapter 8 and verse 58. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And it is within the opening chapters of the book of John that the apostle further underscores the explicit fact of God's existence. John chapter 1 is likely one of my most favorite chapters of the entire Word of God. But verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made in Him was life and the life was the light of men. Creation, hear me, creation would fail to exist were it not for God. At His very word, heavens were spoken into existence as He spoke. Worlds were formed and beings breathed and at His hands the humanity was formed from mere dust of the earth. The words of Jesus through John the Revelator are both accurate and true as they are recorded in Revelation 1 and 8. He said, I am the Alpha. I am the beginning. I am he which was. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, God was. He was there at the beginning and the only reason that you or I are in this place today and we're able to exalt our sovereign king is because we had a creator that predated everything. Can I tell you, he predated the moment you walked into trouble. He predated the moment your marriage fell apart. He existed before the cancer set into your body. He was already there and I've come to let somebody know if God was already there the only reason you're here is because there was a God that was. Is anybody thankful today to say, God, I thank you that you were with me before it fell apart. I thank you that you were with me before my boss fired me. I thank you that you were with me before my marriage crumbled. See, he's the God that was. He's the God that was. But not only is it appropriate for us to acknowledge God as the beginning, we must also recognize that He is the end. 
And after everything is gone and this world has decayed under the pressure of judgment, God will still be. Mark chapter 13, verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, somebody say the word, my word shall not pass away. The same word that John said was in the beginning, the same word that John said was with God, and the same word that John said was God, that same word shall remain even after all creation crumbles under the pressure of the end. But just as God never had a beginning, he shall also never have an ending. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And just as creation ends, heaven begins. God, while he was there in the beginning, he will also be there at the end. John, the revelator, further places emphasis on this coming time and details to us that even then, God will still be. Revelation 19. Hey, I ain't preaching the whole Bible, just most of it. Revelation 19 and 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And hear me. Let me just pause right here and say this. The only way he can be called faithful and true if he, if he was and if he will be. He's been there from the beginning and he's going to be there to the ending. And so John said he is faithful and true. How do you know? Because he's always been there and he's never left. John said he's faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. The same word in Genesis is the same word revealed in Revelation John said he was the word in the beginning and John also said at the end he's the word it's the same one that's been there through the entirety of humanity Revelation 21 and 5 and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new and he said unto me write these words they are true and faithful and again here God echoes the parameters of his existence and he said unto me it is done I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end and I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain and of life to drink freely he is the God of the beginning he is the God of the ending and John trembled under the weight of this great revelation to which the Almighty responded in Revelation 1:17. and when I saw him I fell dead at his feet and he laid his hand upon me saying unto me fear not I am the first and the last I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death I 
our God, ladies and gentlemen, was there at the beginning and he will be there in the end. Our God is undisputed and he fills all space and time. There has never been any like him, nor will there ever be any after him. He alone is sovereign. He alone is holy. He alone is worthy and he alone is God. And I wonder if just for a moment we could celebrate the magnitude and the sovereignty of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Honey, he was here before you got here and he will be here when you leave. He was there before it fell apart and can I tell you, when you find your way back to an altar, he will be there because he is the beginning and the end. Can I tell somebody today, you may have had a beginning of trouble but God is gonna step in and end what you've been walking through. Amen. So we recognize today that he is the God of the beginning. Scripture also bears witness that he is the God of the ending. However, I've not come to preach about the God of the beginning. Nor have I come to draw attention only to the God of the ending. But on this Sunday, I want to preach to you about a God in the middle. John in Revelation 1 and 8 said, I am Alpha and Omega. We understand through scripture and study that Alpha and Omega are simply the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He said, I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. But here is where it gets more telling. Not only am I Alpha and Omega, not only am I the beginning and the ending, he said, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And through John, God revealed the three time zones of his existence. Which was, that's the past. Which is to come, that's the future. But which is, that's in the middle. And I've come to preach to somebody today that's in the middle. I've come to preach to people today that's in the middle of trouble and you're in the middle of trial and you're in the middle of frustration and you're in the middle of doubt. I've come to preach to you today to not just let you know he's the God of your ancestors. He's not just the God of your grandchildren. He's the God in the middle. And if you're struggling today, can I tell you, he can meet you in the middle. If you're going through hell today, he's the God in the middle. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He's in the middle of brokenness. He's in the middle of sickness because he's the God in the middle. Hear me, we are predisposed to think of him as God of the past. Well, God did it back then. Well, don't you remember how God did it then? Anybody have a story about how God did it back then? See, we think of God as yesterday. I remember my grandfather telling me stories about how they would run revivals in Poplarville and that people would get on their hands and knees and crawl to the altar from the back row. He tells me stories of great mighty moves of God. And if we're not careful, we are so inclined to look at him only as the God of the past. But let's go a step further. Sometimes we only look at him as uh, the hope of the future. Well, someday God's going to come through. Well, someday God's going to bring his spirit well, someday God's going to do what I've been praying for him to do, right? That's how we think. He did it then, and we come and we pray, and we believe that in the future, the God which is to come, that he's going to make a way for us. But ladies and gentlemen, God was not just powerful in the beginning, and he will not just be powerful in the future. I declare that he's mighty in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's powerful in the middle. And so can I just preach to people that's in the middle. Maybe you're in the middle of the fight of your life. Perhaps you're in the middle of one of the toughest trials that you've ever been through. Your family may be in the middle of a crisis. You might be at a crossroads in the middle trying to figure out which way you're going. But can I tell you, he's a God in the middle. If there's something you've been praying about, can I tell you, he's in the middle. If there's a deal you've been going through, he's in the middle. If you got a bad doctor's report this week, he's in the middle. I know he was in the beginning and I know he'll be at the end, but he's in the middle. Can I tell you, God works miracles in the middle. God does the impossible in the middle. God raises the dead in the middle. God removes cancer in the middle. God puts marriages back together in the middle. God restores life in the middle. If you're in the middle, God's there too. If you're in the middle, God is with you. He's not just at the beginning and he's not just at the end. He's in the middle. Hallelujah. Now listen, this thing's about to choke me to death. Brother Josh said it was all right. He's in the middle. It's too many buenos. Y'all, I got a bowl full of them jokers in my office at the church. Every Sunday we go back for pre-service prayer, and I'm over there going. It's in the middle. (laughs) It's in the middle. Can I tell you, God's in the middle of your crisis. God's in the middle of the thing that you don't think you can get out of. Let me, let me, let me just, oh Lord Jesus. I'm not getting undressed. That's as far as it goes. I was ironing this morning. Hear me. I was ironing this morning and the spirit began to speak to me. Somebody's trying to make a decision. I don't know the decision that you're trying to make, but you're worried about it. And you're trying to weigh the options. Should I go this way or should I go this way? See, you're almost like Paul. He said, there's a fight within me. He said, I'm pulled to the thing that I don't want to do. And the thing that I would do, he said, I'm pulled away from it. And see, you're in the middle of a decision, and everything that you've taken into context has got to do with what everybody else thinks about it, what your mama says, what your daddy says. Well, son, you don't need to go there, but what does God say about it? Can I tell you, you're in the middle. You're being pulled this way. And you're being pulled that way. Well, I don't know which way I need to go, but the devil is a liar because God is in the middle. I said God is in the middle. And there's a decision that you're trying to make without consulting the king of glory. But honey, can I tell you, in the middle is where he can be found. And when God... When God shows up, can I tell you, he will make it all right. He will lead you in a way that will not stray. He will lead you in the direction. Some of you have been praying about a job. I don't know if I need to take the job. Is God in the middle? I don't know if I need to go this way. Is God in the middle? Because in the middle, he will open up the windows of heaven. In the middle, he will find you in the place of your torment and say, I know where you are. I've been there before, but he's a God in the, in the middle. In the middle, hallelujah. I tell you, he's God in the middle of the valley, in the battle. Psalm 24, 7. 
The psalmist said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. See, there's an invitation to the King of glory, and it's not this. I said, there's an invitation to the middle, and it's not with a shut door and a shut mouth. But the invitation is, God, you are welcome in this place. The invitation comes with a lifted hand. The invitation comes with an open mouth. And when you begin to exalt him, can I tell you, God starts stepping in. The psalmist said, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong, mighty in battle some of you are in the fight of your life and you don't know how it's going to end up but can I prophesy to you when you open the door when you open the door the king of glory steps in and the enemy has to shut his mouth because the omnipotent one Hear me, you know why the devil has to shut his mouth? Because he was there in the beginning too and he knows what kind of God he is. I said he's a God in the middle of battle. He's the, I'm not just talking about you arguing with your wife on the way to church. That's not the battle that I'm talking about. You need to pray through. I'm talking about the God in the middle of the things that you can't work out. I'm talking about a God in the middle when people are talking about you and running you down and making fun of you for going to that Pentecostal church. That's the battle that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when everybody has left you and forsaken you. I'm talking about the battle of your mind. God is in the middle. He's in the middle. But he's not just a God of the battle. He's God in battle. 2 Samuel 22. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God I have leaped over a wall. By my God, he's a lamp. You know where lamps work best? In the middle of darkness. You know where the light does the best? In the middle. There's some of you walking through darkness this morning. And you can't even see where you're going. And you're trying to determine it off of feeling. But feeling is not what's going to tell you if anything's in front of you. It's going to be the light. You know what David said? Thy word is a light and it's a lamp. John said the word was in the beginning. It was with God and it was God. And so when the word gets in the middle of darkness, it kind of shows you where to go. God, I pray for direction upon those that are seeking direction. I pray that the word of God would go forth that right now, even as I preach, God, you would reveal the way that they should go. And you would show them not that door, but this door. God, I pray that you would shut every door that's supposed to be shut. And I ask that you would open every door that's supposed to be open. God, don't let them war over it anymore. But give them light in the middle of darkness that when they get ready to move they know where they should be going because you are in the middle God I prophesy God I prophesy confidence to walk through the door that is open because we have faith to believe God's already shut the ones that are not supposed to be open and so God if you open it I'm stepping through because you are with me in the middle of you're with me in the middle so he's with you in the middle of the battle. Can I tell you, he's with you in the middle of the fire. Three Hebrew boys refused to bow to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Because of this, they were thrown into a furnace of punishment. But what Nebuchadnezzar failed to realize was that the God that they were serving was a God of the middle. The God that is. Daniel 3.23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst. Somebody say the middle. And the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered, O true king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst. Somebody say that's in the middle. In the middle of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. He's with you. He is with you. And he is with you. When you get up out of bed in the morning and your feet touch the floor, he is with you. When you walk into that job that you've been praying deliverance over, he is with you. When you step into the fire of the adversary, he is with you. When you step into the heat of the things that are coming against your life, he is with you. Look at somebody and say, he's with me. Now, I know you probably don't follow me on social media. That's all right. But March 14th of 2021, we lost our church sanctuary to a fire. Completely destroyed. I would have sent pictures, but this is all, you know, I try to be as prepared as I can. March 21, we lost our sanctuary right at 13,000 square feet. It was old. Sister Spikes, we were just praying for a roof. I promise you, every time I walked into that, it was something had to be fixed. Something had to be repaired, Brother Payne. Something had to be worked on. And so we were raising money for a roof. It had green carpet. And if you like green, that's all right. But it had green carpet and maroon pews that were faded to like a dust gray. Hey, it was a blessing. <laughs> I'd walk in and there'd be a new leak. I'd be in the middle of the week and somebody would take me and say, Pastor, the roof's leaking again. Matter of fact, they got one of the pews wet. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a building. We not only had 15 people, but we had a building that set 300. And then while we were raising money, for the roof, I got a call one day and said, hey, Pastor, the AC's not working. I'm like, for real? But see, the Lord had blessed us, and so we scheduled two brand new eight-ton units to be installed. We had the money. We didn't have to finance it. We was going to write a check for it, a little over $10,000. So Spice, that's the coldest air I've ever felt in my life. It was nice. And where I preached on our platform, on our old platform, when you would stand right here, they had a, somebody had enough foresight to put an AC vent right above it. And you could tell I would be at the pulpit, and if I got hot, I'd just step back. That's how you knew hey, pastor's hot today. It was nice. And so Sunday, March the 14th, we're up there playing. Man, we're, we're getting ready to, for church. Church hasn't started. We're practicing music. My wife keeps looking at me. I'm like, what's going on, babe? And she said, somebody's in the foyer. And you know how Pentecost is. You're like, oh, Lord, not today. You know, we kind of draw some folks. And uh, so I stopped playing, and I go down in the foyer, and there's this guy, and he walks up to me and said, hey, man, I think your building's on fire. I'm like, that ain't right. 
And so I run outside to the street. If, if, if you've ever been to Poplar, we were right off the street there. 30 feet was our foyer. And I walked out to the middle of the street. When I looked back to the back of our building, out of the center of our building, there's a little plume of smoke. And so I looked at my wife. She ran into her office. I ran to my office. I grabbed a couple things. She grabbed a char- uh, laptop without a charger. And, uh, man, when fire's going, you don't know what you're doing, okay? And so I come out. Of, and when I come out of my office, that vent that is above the pulpit, there's sparks already dropping. Within about 35 seconds, the ceiling in the inside of our church was fully engulfed. And we walked outside and we sat there, me and my wife, we were, we were a wreck, y'all. Because that was the church I was raised in. My grandfather was a secretary there. We, that, that was a part of our DNA. And so they called 911 and Pearl River County where we live. They have seven volunteer fire districts. All seven districts were dispatched. Both of the trucks for Poplarville Fire, they fought that fire from 10.08 to 4 o'clock that afternoon. The next week, the guy comes to me and is like, man, we dropped the water tower in the city seven feet. I was like, thank God y'all got it paid because we just spent 10 grand on ACs. And my first, my first thought was, Lord, that 10 grand would have been nice. Why? We literally, it was like we literally took a match to $100 bills. 10 grand gone. Sister Spikes, I'm telling you, that was probably one of the broke that night. Me and my wife, we got home. We tried to be as strong as we could for our church people. We had no way of getting the message out. So people were just coming to church thinking they was coming to church and they pulled up and their church was burning. It was a disaster, really. And so here we are. That night we go home. We had just moved the day before. All we had was an overnight bag. All of our clothes was in the parsonage. Smelled like smoke. And so we went home. I sat on the side of my bed. And I just cried, and I cried, and I cried. And my wife, she came and hugged me, and she cried, and she cried, and she cried. And so through that, people were saying, Pastor, God's going to come through. He's going to be a blessing. I realized that. But in the middle of it, I didn't feel that. I knew he was, Brother Payne. I just didn't know how. And so that next week, we were, we were dealing with adjusters. We were dealing with insurance. That They had news crews coming wanting to tell our story. All of these things. But I'm happy today to, to tell you that over two years later, we now have a brand new facility that is completely debt free. Can I tell you, we've gained probably 40 people in the last two years. God has put us on the map and when people show up they're coming to see the building but they find God in the middle of it. And no longer are we a church of has-beens and used-to-bees. We are the church that people recognize in the city of Poplarville. Can I tell you, in the middle of it, when I thought I was going to lose my mind, God was in the middle. When I was going through the hell, God was in the middle. When I was ready to strangle our contractor, God was in the middle. When me and my wife was trying to figure out what colors and what to do, God was in the middle. And so I'm here to let you know God is in the middle if there's something going on in your life God will meet you in the middle God will meet you in the moment God will meet you in the pain he will meet you in that place because he's a God in the middle 
Brother Payne, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I think it was the first time that I'd come to preach while we were evangelizing. The night before, God gave me a dream. And I, and I told it to the church that Sunday. God gave me a dream that we were in a building. But when we walked through that building, or walked through a door on the other side, it was unfinished. And I remember the pain coming to me after church, and he said, bro, that was for me. He said, because God spoke to me through that, that we need to go on with our building. I don't know if you remember that. That's been about eight or nine years ago. But I remember I told him, I said, when you walked through that door, the other side of it was unfinished. This is pretty. It ain't finished. You, you and your wife probably, I don't want to build nothing else. I don't want to do it. I'm the same way. I told him, we'll go to 10 services before I build another church. <laughs> but can I tell you, it ain't finished. It ain't finished. It ain't finished. Can I preach to somebody in this place that you thought God was done? He's not finished yet. You thought that where you were was the completion of the prophecy over you. It's not done yet. You thought, well, this is all, I'm happy. No, 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 don't get happy where you are, somebody. Because God is in the middle. And when he's in the middle, he's always saying. God's never done. It doesn't matter if you've been here five years or 50. God's not done with you. He is not finished. And where you are is not the final product. I said, where you are. Musicians, if you can come. You're sitting beside a man or a woman that you're struggling with and you're trying to get better in your relationship with and you think this is the best it's going to be, but it's not finished. It's not finished. See, you have this portrait in your mind that when you get to that place, this is all. Stop limiting the God to your finite ability to think because Paul said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or stop allowing your mind to limit the possibilities of the sovereignty of Jesus because in those moments we can constrict him oh yes we can well some people believe well if it's the will of God it's going to be done no I digress it don't matter if it is the will of God when we start limiting watch Jesus he went throughout a countryside and could do no great work there because of the people that was so I've come to tell somebody stop limiting the power of Jesus by the portrait that you've already fabricated in your mind of what it's supposed to look like I know you may like it but God has something better I know you might be appreciative but God has something bigger I know that this might feel like the answer of prayer but can I tell you there's something bigger why because he's a God in the middle he's a God in the middle in the middle of pain he's there In the middle of frustration, he's there. In the middle of hurt, he's there. I went left, I went right, I couldn't, I couldn't find him. I, I couldn't perceive his existence. But he's there. He's been there the whole time. In the middle. In the middle. Perhaps 
you're here today and it, it feels as though he can't be found. And it feels as though I, I can't progress beyond this. But I want to encourage you, he's a God in the middle. Right there. You know where the middle is? It's right where you are. It's right where you are. In the middle. I think the most accurate description and portrayal of this is the life of Jesus. The end of his earthly ministry had come to fruition and he had been lied on, had been plotted against, debunked by the religious and now was hanging on a tree as an innocent man. Many gathered that day to behold such a spectacle, the one that they said, crucify, crucify, crucify. That day at Calvary there were two groups of people, those that gloated in his punishment and those who come to mourn such a marvelous miracle working man and his demise as the onlookers gazed up towards heaven there darkening the skyline were three wooden crosses John 19 and 16 then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified and they took Jesus and led him away, and he bearing the cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other men with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. Somebody say, that's the middle. In the moment of a sinner's execution, there he was, a God in the middle. The middle of two men bound by sin. The middle of two men full of failure. The middle of two men full of problems and issues. Yes, he's a God in the middle of circumstances. Yes, he's a God in the middle of sickness. Yes, he's the God in the middle of problems. But the most important today, He is a God in the middle of sin. He's a God in the middle of failure. He's a God in the middle of mistake. He's a God in the middle of a failed marriage. He's a God in the middle of addiction. He's a God in the middle. I had, I had great dreams of how God was going to send revival to our church. How He was going to do it. I knew that God had told me to go to the city of Poplarville. But I, I had an idea of how it was going to happen. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's most of the time not the people that you believe is coming. And in the middle of what I thought should have been, God changed my mentality about the church that I was pastoring. 
today teaching this morning we have a husband and a wife team one who was incarcerated for a while for meth and his wife went to rehab for alcoholic addiction but today they're teaching our three to four year olds today singing on our platform my wife's aunt raised in church but fell away and become addicted to pills and substances and spent time at rehab but three years ago Brother Payne she come back to us and she's been on the platform singing ever since he's a God in the middle he's not just a God in the middle when everything is going right he's a God in the middle when things are falling apart and so what I've done I've stopped limiting God to work in the middle of things that are broken We also have a Sunday school teacher. She's just recently taken a break. Incarcerated. Incarcerated for trafficking federal amounts of methamphetamines. An alcoholic. Broken marriage. You know where she's at today? She's probably on the second row. And when I leave, you know what she does? She comes up to me. She says, I love you, son. And why? Because she's my mother. In the middle. I am a product of being in the middle. What happens when you're in the middle? God shows up. In the middle, he shows up. In the middle, stand with me. 2013. We were at NAYC. I was going up an escalator. My phone rang. And it was my mother. And she told me. She said, I'll never move back to Poplarville. That place is detestable. She's in Atlanta, DeKalb County. I'll never come back. Broken and frustrated, I didn't understand why. I knew that her decisions were leading her to a place that this was the only outcome. Brother Payne, can I tell you? I smiled driving that U-Haul all the way back to Poplarville from Atlanta, Georgia. Because right in the middle, God met a woman who was broken and alone and angry and bitter. Why? Because he's a God in the middle, which was, which is... 
which is to come, the Almighty. And so today I'm telling you, He's in the middle. He's in the middle of whatever it is you're walking through today, sir. He's in the middle of whatever it is you're dealing with. He's in the middle. He is in the middle.